Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right, all right. Good morning, guys. Sorry, y'all got me today. Um, so it is New Year's Eve, right? And I want to be the first to say Happy New Year to everybody, right? Happy New Year super excited for what God is going to do in 2024 with Encounter Church. But while we're talking about New Year's, I want to ask a question. How many of you started 2023 with a New Year's resolution? Anybody? Anybody? We got some hands up in the air. All right. It's okay because we're going to talk about how you quit. So it's okay to be honest and say that you started with a resolution. I mean, I started with a resolution. Everybody starts with a resolution, right? But how far did you make it with that resolution? Did you make it a month? If you made it a month, you did a good job. Did you make it three months, six months? Is anybody in the room still going forward with the resolution they made at the beginning of the year? I take it from the sounds of crickets and there's no sign of hands. That means that no one made it. Man, I was gonna say I'm really proud of you. And I was gonna say I'm really proud of you because you've officially made it 50 weeks longer than I think with the study that I found said a vast majority. I don't know what a vast majority is, but it was a lot of millions of people that quit their resolution on or by January 18th, officially dubbing January 18th Quitter's Day. That's what it is called. It is the official national day. It is called Quitter's Day. And it's because on or by that day, like, I think it's 80% of people have already given up on their resolution. So that's what we're going to talk about today. What is a resolution? Why do we quit on them? And what do we need to do if we actually want to see change? And what does the Bible say about change? So if you're one of those people who gave up on your resolution, don't be afraid because you got good company. Your boy is right there with you. I believe every year since about 2012, my resolution has been to get back to 200 pounds. And I keep getting farther and farther away from 200 pounds. So it's like this. I start and then I lose some weight, right? And then somehow by the end of the year, I found more weight than I lost. And I just picked it up along the way. It's like a stray puppy or something that just keeps following me around. I don't know what's going on. But I get farther and farther away from my resolution, right? So why does this happen? Why do we get stuck? See, we do all the things. We have the goals. We get the vision boards. We buy the apps. We set the reminders. We buy the workout clothes. We get the daily planners, right? We do all the things, and we have all the things right there at our fingertips to be successful, but we still fail. We still quit. We still stop. So why? And you and I, if you are one of the people who quit on your resolution, which I take it that you were since nobody raised their hand whenever I asked if y'all are still going, we have good company because a guy by the name of Paul who wrote most of the New Testament wrote this in Romans 7. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right. But then he turns around and says, but I didn't do it. And then he says, I don't want to do what's wrong, but then I do it anyway. And then watch what he says at the end of this. At the end of this. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. 
how many of you can relate to Paul? You feel like that miserable person. You know what you want to do, but then you don't do it. And then you don't want to do this, but you do it anyway. And sometimes it's something that is a little bit more serious and deep than just wait. You know, sometimes it's something that's maybe a lot bigger. Maybe it's a bigger issue, and you know you don't want to do it, but you do it anyway. And then you know you want to do this, and you want to change, but you don't. And then we just get stuck in this rut. Right? So we start the year with the best intentions, and then we end up just feeling frustrated, exhausted, embarrassed, maybe even ashamed that we can't change, that we're just stuck being the same old person that we were on January 1st. So why is that? Why do we quit? Why do we quit something that's good for us? It's good for me to lose weight. Why do I quit? Why do we stop? Why at the end of the year do we still weigh more than we want, spend more money than we want, read the Bible less than we want, pray less than we want? We have the want, right? We have the desire. So what's what's going on? That leads us to the title of today's message. It kind of looks like a fun math problem that R is not equal to T. There it is. Um, and that's resolutions are not equal to transformations. A resolution is not a transformation. And before we dive into today's message, I want to let you know that actually on the back of your notes, you have a whole bunch of charts that kind of look like a vision board that I just said that we all have anyway, but then we never follow through with them. I gave you one in case you don't want to make one yourself. So you have everything that you can do to, to put your goal to paper and to really follow through with the stuff that we're going to talk about today and how to achieve transformation over resolution. So <clears throat> there's our little plug for the notes. If you don't have a note thing, shame on you, because a short pencil is a lot better than a long memory. Um, so if we're going to figure out why we quit on our resolutions, we first have to figure out what a resolution is. So I looked up the definition, the dictionary definition of a resolution, and it is a firm decision to do or not to do something. Guys, that's it. A resolution is a decision. Nothing more. You just decide to or not to do something. That's it. It's nothing more than that. It's nothing less than that. It's just a mental decision that I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. <clears throat> so no wonder that it's so easy to quit. All it is is a decision. We decide to lose weight and then we decide to go to McDonald's. <laughs> we decide to read the Bible and then we decide to stop. We decide to spend more time in prayer, and then we decide that TV is more important. We decide to spend more time in worship outside of church, and then we decide that we'd rather do what we want. That's it. It's a decision. And see, when you really think about it, it's just as easy, and we are more likely to decide to go back to normal than it is to decide to change. It's easy to default back to normal. That decision is easy. 
That's why we make it so often. And I will put this note in there. Maybe not all decisions are easy. I know at our house it takes longer to decide what we're going to eat than it does to prep the meal, cook the meal, and eat the meal. So, like, not all decisions are easy. I get that. But most decisions are easy, and we make a whole lot of them every single day. We make so many that maybe that's a reason why resolutions are so easy to quit, because all it is is another decision. Whenever you make thousands of decisions a day, what's given up on one? It's not a big deal, right? So, if a resolution is nothing more than a decision, what is a transformation? Because that's what we're actually seeking. We're seeking a transformation, not a, quote, firm decision from the dictionary. So, transformation, on the other hand, is defined as a thorough or dramatic change in form. See, that's it. That is what we want, a dramatic change. This is what we picture when we make our resolutions at the beginning of the year. We don't picture dad bod, we picture beach bod. We don't picture a person who prays maybe once a day. We picture a person who still prays once a day, but it's like one continual prayer. You know, we don't picture this person who is still stuck in the same rut. We picture the person who has got up out of the rut. We picture a change in form. We picture that change in just everything. We picture the change. We picture the transformation. We don't just picture the simple resolution. So, if we're trying to get to a transformation, there's really no better place to look than the Bible. Because the, the guy who penned the Bible, and I'm not talking about the physical people, I'm talking about the big guy who wrote the Bible, is kind of an expert in transformations. So if we're going to look at transformations, why don't we see what he has to say? And this is the ironic part. You remember how we talked about Paul and how he wants to do this, but he doesn't, and then he does want to do this, but he doesn't? We're actually going to go back to what he says, and in the same book, just a little bit later, so maybe he figured out between chapter 7 and chapter 12 what to do to actually get out of the rut. And uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Then he goes on to say in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right? So we see in the first part of this that he says, I appeal to you, to present your, your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He's talking about your physical body. He's also talking about your life in this section of Scripture. That is the first step, and this is kind of a bonus step. It's not even in my notes. If you want transformation, A, offer everything to God and just say, hey, I'm going to give this to you. You change it. Take out what you don't and leave what you do, and it's going to be painful, guys. It's going to hurt because... That transformation process isn't easy. If it was easy to go from beach bod or from dad bod to beach bod, everybody would do it, and nobody would look like me. I mean, if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? 
So we're going to break this uh, section of scripture down in kind of a three, two, one style, right? So first we're going to look at three, and it's three areas of transformation. At the very beginning of verse two, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, right? And I think we kind of just skip on by this part when we read the scripture, because the beginning of verse 12 or verse two in chapter 12 is kind of like, don't be conformed to the world. And then it goes into, but be transformed. And we all like the transform, but we don't like the don't be conformed to the world part. So we kind of just skip by it, right? We say, mm, cool, transformed. I like that. And we do that a lot with scripture, but you have to remember that context is important. And what comes before and after what you like is just as important as what you like. So what areas of our lives do we let the world or what I'll call society influence us more than we let God influence us? Because that's what it's saying. It's saying, don't be like the world. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't let society influence you, but be transformed. So if we're looking for transformation, the first thing that we have to do is not be like everybody else. And I kind of broke this down in three different areas that we have to be transformed in. Number one is physical. So what does society say about our physical body? our physical, um, like the flesh and, you know, the muscle and the bones and the actual physical body. Um, they say things like, live your best life. Live your best truth. YOLO, do, do people still say that? YOLO? YOLO? I feel like they said it whenever I was like, uh, no, I got people shaking heads. No, all right, that's me being old, sorry. Moving on. Um, but anyway, it means... You only live once. So it's this whole thing of do whatever you want and don't let people judge you. You know, like it's just do whatever you want. But scripture is very plain when it talks about our physical body. It says that it's a temple. And guys, I'm one of the worst about this. So I'm talking to me more than I'm talking to any of you. We need to be healthy. And I'm not necessarily talking like big ripped muscle dudes. And I'm not talking about like just being super skinny. We need to be healthy. There's a difference between, you know, all of the, like, big guys that are, you know, jacked and people and models that are, like, super skinny. That's cool, good for them. But really, we just need to be healthy. We need to watch what we put into our body. And that is the food that we eat, the drinks that we drink, anything that we're, like, breathing in. We need to be mindful of it. You know, like, it's also what you watch on TV and what you listen to in the car. We need to be careful about what we put into our body because our body is a temple. Think of it this way. If you wouldn't do what you're doing at church, then probably don't do it. If you wouldn't, like, give this to your kid to eat because it's not healthy, don't eat it for you either. Like, just think about it. Be mindful of it. Like, be mindful of the stuff that we're putting into our body. And honestly, this is a side note. I think that a lot of our problems, at least in America, come from we eat more food-like products than we eat food. Um, but, you know, that's just me probably meddling a little bit. Um, sorry, I'll get back to the notes. Um, we have to be careful about what we put into our bodies. Um, be active. Paul actually says that he disciplined his body like that of an athlete. Um, and he then goes on to say a little bit later in that same verse that he does that because he was afraid that he may be disqualified after preaching. Guys, I get that. 
Because here I am telling you that, hey, we need to be healthy, and I am like the picture-perfect person of health, right? No, not at all. But I understand what Paul was saying is that he, if he's going to tell people this, he needs to do it. And I want you all to hold me accountable because I am actually going to try and get back into a shape other than round this year. And hopefully I see a transformation, you know, and not just another failed resolution. Right. But we have to do better. We have to be healthy. And if you are on a health track and you're really healthy and your doctor gives you a good stamp of health. Hey, congratulations. Super happy for you. Super proud for you. Keep going. Area number two, though, is your personal. Your personal life. Um, so think of this more like you have your body and then you have your mind. So this could be anything that's in your personal life, your mental health, your relationships, your work life, your home life, things like that, guys. So we need to transform that too, because if we're going to transform the outer part of the body, we also need to transform the inner part of the body. We need to be healthy on the inside. We need to be mentally healthy, Right. So what does society say about this? Because remember, we're not being conformed to the way of the world. We're being transformed into a more, you know, godly image. So if we're going to transform, we have to first look at what society says too. So again, society is very self-centered. Do what makes you happy. Again, live your best life. All of these things, they focus on you and what makes you the best, and what makes you feel good, and what makes you happy. And again, Scripture kind of says the opposite. Because, see, we have this thing where God does care about you, and He cares about your joy, and He cares about your happiness, but how He tells us to go about getting joy, happiness, and peace is kind of different than how society tells us to go about getting joy, happiness, and peace, right? But guys, I'm reading a lot of Paul's stuff today, and it's a lot in Romans. I'm sorry. We're in Romans uh, chapter 12. Paul lays out um, how a Christian should live. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Ouch. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Um, Another, another way that you can translate that genuine affection is brotherly love. Treat everyone like your sibling. Love everyone the same way that you would love someone in your family. Rejoice. Oh, sorry, I skipped one. Never be lazy. Work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Mm. So someone who's upset with you and arguing with you and fighting with you, this says to pray that God will bless that person. If someone has something against you, you pray God bless them. Give them everything that I want. Mm. It's tough, guys. Be happy with those who are happy, and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people, and don't think you know it all. Never pay evil with evil, and do things in such a way that everyone will see you as honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. 
Guys, that's how you get peace. That's how you get actual, genuine joy. If you can do these things right here and actually live it out, you have joy right there. When we do our best to live in peace with those around us, we will have peace. It's that simple. It's it's crazy if you read the Bible, this stuff's in there. I'm just like reading it word for word. (laughs) Um, Once again, society focuses on self in our third area that's spiritual. Society says, again, live your truth. Live your best life. Everything that society is going to throw at you, everything that the world is going to throw at you is self-centered. It's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. And God says, it's God and other people. Turn the focus off of self. It's really, it's simple, guys. It's hard, it's hard to do, but it's a simple concept. What the world is going to say is that you need to live your truth, whether that is following Christ or following anything else that you want. As long as it's your truth, that's all that matters. And that couldn't be more wrong. And John Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only path to God. He's not a path to God. He's not a path to a higher being. He's not a path to a great spirit. He is the path. And if you want to see genuine transformation in your life, whether it's physical, mental, or spiritual, talk to Jesus about it. Talk to God about it. Like I said earlier, he's kind of an expert on that. Read about him. Read your Bible. Pray. Spend time in worship outside of church. And watch what that does. Watch your life start to change. And if you do a little bit of that, do more. You can never do too much. You can never spend too much time in prayer, too much time in worship, too much time reading your Bible. Do it more and see how it starts to change. See how your attitude starts to change. See how your mentality starts to change. The next is you have to find two. We're at two now. We're done with three. We're down to two. The next is you have to find two to lean on. I think the first one is obvious. Yeah. There it is, God. We have to lean on God, guys. God specializes in transformation. Let's take a look at what the Bible says about transformation and about specifically God transforming. Um, In Corinthians chapter 3, it says, So all of us who have had the veil removed, all of us who are saved, can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, which is spirit, makes us more and more like him, as we are changed into his glorious image. You see, there's that word again, changed. We're not decided into his glorious image. We're not resoluted into his glorious image. We are changed into his image. There's a transformation that's being done there. And what God, what this is saying is that day by day, God is making you a little bit more like him and hopefully a little bit less like the old you right? He's changing us, and he's morphing us, and you may think, well, I haven't noticed that. Pause. Have you ever felt a little check whenever you made a decision that, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that? What the world will say is that's your conscience. 
what I say is that is God. And that's him making you a little bit more and more like him. He's putting that check there, and it says that it's done by there through the Spirit. So it's this, well, the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you, and it's changing your mindset. Something that you used to do for your whole life and you never thought twice about, now you're like, mm, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't do that. That is God trying to transform you to make you more like him. Because now you're noticing things that the old you didn't notice. That's the transformation, guys. That's the very beginning stages of transformation. You're noticing this stuff that the old you did, and now the new you doesn't want to do it. Congratulations, you're being transformed. You are a living example of uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. So we have to lean on God. No real transformation is going to happen without God. I mean, I realize that people can lose weight without God, you know. I realize that stuff like that can happen. But no actual change in your being will happen without God in your life. That is what's really going to change you. So I encourage you, if you do not have God in your life, we're going to have a moment at the end of service, so hold on to that. Next, and this one's kind of fun, it's your growth team. Can we put the chart up? Boom. So we have this chart, right? And it's a growth team. And at the middle is God and me or God and you because you're reading it and it says me and, you know, like I'm me and you're you. And, but whenever you say me, it's you. There we go. <laughs> um, so it's God and me or God and you in the middle. And then you have all of these other little dots around you that kind of look like a cell model from science class, right? So the other dots that are around you that kind of look like a cell model from science class, those are your people. And I put one on the back of the notes so you can actually fill this in. What you don't want on your growth team is a bunch of yes men. You don't want people who are just going to say, oh man, you're trying, you're doing great. That's not what you need. You don't need people to encourage you to stay the same. You don't need people that are going to be just patting you on the back all the time. You need people that will pat you on the back when you need it, but you also need people that will let you know that you have broccoli in your teeth. I mean, I generally don't have broccoli in my teeth because broccoli is kind of icky. Unless it's in Chinese food, then it's okay because it's covered in soy sauce. Um, but <laughs> we're, you need people who are going to call you out. You need people who, like I said, are going to let you know that you have food in your teeth, or maybe in Brittany's case, a stain on your pants. Um, I got permission to tell this story, so don't think that I'm a bad husband who shared a story without Brittany knowing, and she's not even in the room. I got permission. I asked her, I was like, hey, can I tell the story about when you had the stain on your pants? And she's like, yes. So um, one time, not too long ago, like within the past couple few weeks, Brittany had to go to a visitation for her principal's um, mother that had passed away. And uh, she goes to the visitation, everything's fine. You know, she comes home, we go to get Evan's haircut, we're getting Evan out of the car, go in, get Evan's first haircut. It's a great day, you know, a lot of things happening. And then we go to put Evan back in the car. And then Brittany goes to put Evan in the car, and I say, What's on your pants? And she has this stain right on the seam of her pants that is brown. 
And I was like, what's on you? What's on your pants? She's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you have a big stain on the back of your pants. And she, her face turns even more pale than normal. <laughs> and she goes, I went to my boss's mom's visitation like this. And she immediately texts all of her team, her teachers on her team, and was like, guys, none of you let me know that I had a big stain on the back of my pants. And they're like, oh, we, we didn't see, we didn't notice. You don't need people like that on your growth team. <laughs> you need people on your growth team that are going to say, hey, we're getting ready to walk into something serious. You got a stain on your pants. You know, that way you can be like, oh, hey, I should like get a longer shirt or I should do this or I, you know, maybe stand with my back to everyone all the time. Like you need people on your growth team that are going to tell you when something is wrong, not just tell you everything is okay. Because if you have, if you surround yourself with people who are going to tell you that everything's okay, you're never going to grow. You need people on the team who are going to stretch you. You need people on the team who are at the next level of where you want to be. You need people who are in your everyday life that can see the, what we call the deaf spots, the dumb spots, and the blind spots. So maybe like I say something and I think it's perfectly fine, but someone else notices that, hey, that sounded a little bit more harsh than I think that you meant to say. I would have never noticed that. You need people who will speak into your life on your growth team. Surround yourself with them. On the model, it shows six people. If you can find six people, that's great. If you can find five people, that's great. Just find some people in your life that are in your everyday life, but then also at the next level of where you want to go and have them pour into your life. Be careful who you let in that team, though. It's not for everybody. You can have great friends, and they don't need to be on your growth team. And that's okay. So find a growth team. Find people. Find your people. Find your circle that's going to help you grow. In the old days, I think we called it accountability partners. <laughs> you know, the people who you can say, hey, I've got this resolution. If I mess up, call me on it. Find those guys, people, guys. And now, hey, we're at one. There's only one way to get transformation. At the end of verse 2, it says, by the renewing of your mind, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And guys, I know I kind of bashed on resolutions at the beginning of this message, but every transformation starts with a resolution. Every big journey starts with a decision to make the journey. Every single transformation that has ever happened started with a decision. It started with a resolution. Before we can make the change, a decision has to be made. My great-grandma, I called her Nan, she was a worship leader for years and years and years and years and years. Um, it's probably why I do the things that I do today, honestly. But I remember growing up, Nan used to sing this song all the time that said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, right? It's a great old song. I love it. And as I was preparing this message, that song sums up the transformation process. I have decided to follow Jesus. There's your decision. There's your resolution. 
I made the firm decision to follow Jesus. No turning back. There's your transformation. That's the difference. One is a decision to take the step. The transformation is to keep walking. Every great journey starts with a first step. Every transformation is going to start with a decision. So, what's the decisions that you guys have to make? How do we get from point A to point B? I kind of think we have to create some realistic goals, right? We have to create these goals for ourselves. We have to have goals that will stretch us, but they're also reachable. If you make a goal unreachable, you'll just quit before you get there. The last part of our verse today says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That word discern means you'll be able to tell. By spending time with God in prayer, you'll be able to tell what his will is. By spending time with God, you'll be able to, see, you'll be able to find his will. Um, here's a hint. Anything that is God's will will not go against God's character. And the only way you're going to know God's character is to spend time with him. Pray. Read your Bible. Worship. Spend time doing those things outside of church. T- test it. Pray. Spend time with God. Find out what his will is. And just like I can't tell you what the will of God is for your life, I can't set your goals for you. I can't say, hey, your goal needs to be this, and your goal needs to be that, and your goal needs to be that. Come back at the end of the year and be changed. I can't do that for you. I can't set your goals for you. But what I can tell you is you won't rise to the level of your goals. You'll fall to the level of your systems. It's a quote from James Clear. He's a pretty smart guy. So what are your systems? What are your habits? What, is the, what are the things that you do every day? How do you function? Because what he's saying is you won't rise to the level of the goal that you set. You're going to fall to the level that you are. So if you want to truly change, you have to raise those systems up to achieve the goal. You can't just set the goal and then start shooting arrows at it blindly and hope that one lands. You actually have to do this stuff. You have to walk it out. Guys, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. See, this is a process. Michael Jordan didn't become the best basketball player to ever play the game by occasionally deciding to shoot some hoops with his buddies. Just like you won't be the new you that you want to be by occasionally doing some of the stuff that you've decided to do. If you're truly going to change, if you're truly going to see a transformation, you have to dedicate your life to this. If you want to be successful with your transformations, you have to do it consistently. Uh, I heard uh, a pastor that I know say it like this one time, realizations change your mind, but rhythms change your life. If you just realize something, then you've changed your mind. Congratulations. You're like everybody else that looked in a mirror and noticed, hey, this is wrong. But when you change the rhythm of your life, when you change the day-to-day, that's when you're going to see change. That's when you're going to see transformation. That's when you're going to see that 
change that you started the year with. You have to start the new you and then do it again. And then again. And then again. And then again. And then again. Every day that you wake up, you have to be the new you. You can't slip back into the old you. That's how transformation happens. It's consistency. It's consistency. It's day after day. So what are your resolutions? Because there is no better time to make a change than the first of the year. And that's tomorrow, guys. New year, new you, right? So what are your, what are your resolutions? What's, is God putting something on your heart that needs to change? Don't overlook resolutions. Because resolutions lead to transformations. The Bible is filled with people that had resolutions. But then God made a transformation. See, Abram had a resolution to have a family. God transformed him into Abraham, who's the father of many nations. Esther had a resolution to be a wife. God transformed, transformed her into a queen. David had a resolution to be something more than an outcast shepherd boy. God transformed him into a giant killing king. And more importantly, a man after God's own heart. Peter had a resolution to be a good fisherman. God transformed him into a fisher of men and the rock on which the church was built. Guys, all of this changing started with a resolution. So what's yours? What's your resolution? What are you trying to change? Don't overlook it because while you may think that you're just trying to be a skinnier version of you, a healthier version of you, a more wealthy version of you, a nicer version of you, a prettier version of you, a well-rested version of you, God may be trying to transform you into something that you have absolutely that you have absolutely no idea is even possible. And it could all start with just a simple resolution. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.